I'm going to be reading before Wayne comes up and speaks with us from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 29. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who meditates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance, like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. For God spoke from Mount Sinai, so when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. And now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you very much, Blair. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here in the room, and welcome to those who are joining us on the web stream as well. A very important biblical principle is the one that God is always at work in the world around about us, and he's always inviting us to join him and to participate in what he's doing. God is never absent from the world in which he created. And it's this invitation. And so our response is to first of all say, God, I want to see what you're doing and and I want to join you in that place. I want to lift up my voice to thank you and participate with you. Right at this moment, there's a number of individuals and families within New Life that are under great pressure. And I was thinking this week about that and in my preparation and I um, was thinking of all that's actually going on, just so much that's going on in the world, such chaos and upheaval and devastation in all sorts of places. And I thought of the words of the prophet Jeremiah, and some of you will be familiar with the lament that he's, that he's declared as he sat on the hill, surveying the desolation and destruction of Jerusalem after the Babylonian invasion. 
And I thought, we need to speak this out, people. We need to, we need to declare this. And it's from Lamentations chapter 3. And I don't know, how many of you have memorized Lamentations? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've never read it. But it's a lament. So don't ever be thinking that you can't lament to God, but lament using the Bible. Don't just whine and complain. I want to ask you, the words are going to come up on the screen. I'm going to ask you to come and declare this. And you might be thinking of yourself. It might be relevant for you because you might be one of these individuals or your household is under great pressure at the moment. And, and you need to lift your eyes up and you need to see this and look. No, don't look at the desolation. Look up and see God. Also, but maybe, you're, maybe at the moment you're going, life could not be better for me at all, unless I was in the presence of Jesus on a permanent basis. But you know people that are struggling at this moment. So I'm going to ask you, will you stand? Can we stand? And we're going to declare this. So you might be declaring it for yourself or your household, or you might be declaring it on behalf of others. And we're not going to do this once. We might, we're definitely doing it twice. So don't sit down after we finish twice, because we might keep going. Until it burns in our spirit. It's got to burn in your spirit, is my point. It's got to come alive. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now, even as before we begin to declare this, that this word would become a living word in the very core of our being. Let's speak this together, declare it together. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends, his mercies never cease, great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Let's go again. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Let's just stay standing and just begin to speak out your own prayer, saying, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that your mercies to me are new this morning. Speak it out. Speak it out. Speak out. The Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. We thank you, God, that your mercy, your grace, your kindness to us is without beginning or end. God, we look at we, our TV screen, screens are filled, our, our devices are filled with images of desolation from around the world. So, we, God, we don't just pray on behalf of ourselves. We pray for the world that their eyes would be lifted up out of their suffering, out of their homelessness, that you'd fill their hearts with hope that because of the Lord, your love never ends. Father, because your mercies never cease, because of your great faithfulness, people can say to themselves, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. We bless you this day. 
We bless you, God, and thank you. Let this, let this be a living word in us, God. In us. Not just in this moment, but in us from this moment forward. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I want to focus the remainder of our time together on the idea of better blood. Who wants better blood? You're like, well, my blood's okay at the moment, thanks. I'm okay with this. But this is better blood from Hebrews 12.24. The text was read to us. I invite you to open your Bibles if you've closed them. Hebrews 12.24. The writer of Hebrews says, you've come to Jesus. So this is a come to Jesus moment, everybody. You might have already come to Jesus, but this is another moment to come to Jesus. This is what the author is saying. You've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Let's go back and read this again. You've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Now we want to see it in the message translation, which is that next slide. You've come to Jesus who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. He is the mediator of this covenant The murder of Jesus, unlike Abel's, a homicide that cried out for vengeance, became a proclamation of grace. The murder of Jesus became a proclamation of grace, is the translation of the message. So the author of Hebrews is, of course, referencing Genesis 4. If you're not familiar with that, you can go back and read that story. It's the first murder that occurs in the Bible. Only four chapters in and we've got a murder. An old the Cain murdered his younger brother Abel, jealousy, all sorts of things are going on there. Hebrews tells us that the murder always calls out for vengeance, doesn't it? I think there are people in this room who know or have experienced someone who's been murdered, a friend, a relative. You know what that is like and how that their murder calls out it like it's a deep cry for vengeance. The guilty must be punished. They can't just be walking around as if that there's no consequence for what there there needs to be justice. Isn't that the cry? So the question for us this morning in the time that we've got is how does the murder of Jesus become the proclamation of God's grace rather than vengeance? How does his blood become better blood? Well, first of all, let's talk about Jesus. And I'm going to start with Paul's letter to the Colossians, Colossians 1, 15 to 20, where he declares who Jesus is. He tells us these things about Jesus in Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Jesus is God. That's the starting point. So right now, you've got something that clearly distinguishes Jesus from Abel. Jesus is God. So we know that Jesus is a Jewish man. He's born in Bethlehem. He's first raised in Egypt and then in Nazareth. And that he is, grows up in Nazareth, Israel. And he is the visible image, Paul says, the visible image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. Jesus existed before everything else. 
Jesus is supreme over all creation. Jesus made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. Can you see how his blood is already better, better than Abel's for a whole bunch of reasons? So let's go now to that, this slide that's behind me now. The team's doing really well. They're fast forwarding. So back to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12. I'm going to give you a few dot points that come from Hebrews 12, or actually other places in the book of Hebrews, that where this is all unpacked. So this might be like a totally foreign concept to you, like how does all this work? I've just got time to give you some dot points this morning, but I encourage you, implore you, read the book of Hebrews. Read it. You'll begin and do it thoroughly. You'll begin to understand because this book is explaining to us all how Jesus is better, better than any other human being. His blood is better than any other blood. All of these things. So here's a few dot points. Jesus' murder is unique. He is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. This is all in Hebrews. He is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. If someone is the perfect sacrifice for your sins and my sins, what does that mean? I don't need any other sacrifice is what it means. You don't need any other sacrifice is what it means. He's the perfect one. There's no other sacrifice to be offered. Jesus died to free us from the penalty of our sins. Jesus died to free you and me from the penalty, the rightful, the just penalty of our sins, our rebellion, our apathy against God, our hostility towards him. And Jesus has entered heaven as our advocate. He goes and advocates on our behalf. In, our, in Australia, we... Um, typically talk more about lawyers than advocates. But it was interesting walking around the streets of Jerusalem when we were there in October was realizing I saw several signs, so-and-so advocate. That's, the, that's what they called. In, in Israel, they're called advocates. They're not called lawyers. Do you need an advocate? Well, this is the picture, you see. You've got a lawyer, if you like. You've got an advocate in heaven on your behalf. Isn't that so good? Yeah, it is so good. Like, hey, you can't get any better than God advocating to God on your behalf. Right? He died as a sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. He deals with the sins of the world, the entire human race. Not just us in this room, not just the people that live around here, the people that go to church, but the sins of the world all across the world, down through the ages. Jesus' blood purifies our hearts so we can worship God. That's our biggest problem. We refuse to worship God. Our sins inhibit worship of God. So Jesus' blood purifies us. This is in the in Hebrews. Purifies our hearts so we can worship God. This is good news because that's what we're created to do. So... As I was reading this and thinking about it, I thought the only words to use are better blood. Better blood is the only words I thought could think of to describe how Jesus mediates this new covenant between God and people that Hebrews 12.24 talks about. You all know that we arrived in 
Well, you might not all know, but many of you do, that know that we, Julie and I arrived in Israel on Monday morning, October the 9th, two days after the October 7th massacre by Hamas terrorists where they invaded Israel from the south, from Gaza. They took, they murdered 1,200 people and they kidnapped 239 children and adults as hostages and many of those are still being held. There are some whose bodies have been recovered and a couple who have been set free. We've been to Israel twice before, but on this time when we entered Israel, we entered into a nation that was in shock and grief and trauma. It was very different to the other times we've been there. And we spoke with others who said the same. Now, one of the things that happens whenever there's conflict with Israel, it creates a media frenzy that's global. You've seen it play out. Now, I recently discovered a website called Memory TV. You may or may not know of it. It's M-E-M-R-I, not the other memory. Memory TV. And what Memory TV does is provide English translations of Arabic, Farsi, Urdu, Pashto, Dari, Turkish, Russian and Chinese media. For people who don't speak it, it's very useful. Here are some things I've learned, I read on Memory TV. I watch clips and all those sort of things. But anyway, Memory TV this week. The Pakistan is currently expelling 1.7 million Afghan refugees who fled over the border to escape the brutality of Islamic Taliban rulers. Put your hand up if you're aware of that. Yep, there's a few of you in the room. Yeah, how many of you have seen it on mainstream media? Yeah, none of us, because it's not there. Here's a quote from Memory TV. More than 210,000 Afghans have been deported during the first 10 days of November. Pakistani officials are raising refugees' mud homes. Afghan children, women and madrasa students are picked up by the police in night raids and dumped into concentration camps for deportation. My question is, where are the protests? Where's the UN? Why the media silence? Here's some things about Israel. Now, before I go into these, I want to just say that uh, it's kind of like I want to give you a bit of a pastoral warning. Because some of the things I'm about to say may shock you, but I want to say I'm not doing it for shock value. That's not what this is about. I'm doing it for several reasons. One, I don't want you to be ignorant of what's being said. One of the things that Memory TV provides for us is the things that we can see that are being said in other languages that we can't see for ourselves. Because we can't... Um, I, well, I can't speak any of those languages. I'm a monolingualist. So I don't want you to be ignorant. Secondly, I want you to pray. I want you to pray while you sit here and listen to some of these reports. I want you to, sit, I want you to pray when you're at home. I want you to pray when you're in the car. And I want you to pray when you're in the prayer room during the week. And I want you to realize why you need to know and speak about Jesus' better blood. That's going to become very clear in a few moments. And also, I want us to live Daniel's lifestyle of praying and fasting and humbling ourselves and studying the Bible and seeking understanding that we would know how to live in this time, just as Julie taught us last week from Daniel ten twelve. So here are some, some things from Memory TV website this week. The first is from a Hamas press conference on November 12th. 
by a man called Osama Hamdan, a member of Hamas's political bureau. He was speaking at a press conference in Beirut, Lebanon, that was aired on Al Jazeera Network, which is owned and funded by the Qatar government. His quote, here's just a very one sentence. Israel is a racist, sadistic and neo-Nazi entity that constitutes state-sponsored terrorism and is a threat to humanity. Some things that they told me were on Facebook in May, several videos from a kindergarten graduation ceremony in the Gaza Strip were posted on that school's Facebook page. In these videos, kindergarten children, how old are kindergarten children in this school? Four, three. Kindergarten children are wearing military uniforms, performing They're seen performing, this is their graduation ceremony, performing military-style drills with replica weapons, trampling the Israeli flag and singing, if words don't help. We shall erase with machine guns. These are four and five-year-olds. Parents are clapping and cheering and applauding. On Saturday, November the 4th in Sydney, Australian, Islamic scholar Wissam Haddad preached the following in his local mosques. His local mosque, sorry. Jews are a mischievous people who use their wealth to have authority over the weak. Their hands are everywhere and they control the media and the banks. Jews in the Quran were cowards and rats just like the Jews today. And he also quoted the Hadith from the Quran of the Prophet Muhammad about Muslims fighting Jews at the end times when the trees and the stones will speak and tell the Muslims where the Jews are hiding so they can kill them. This is very sobering stuff. This is what, this is some people's diet. Julie and I watched Hassan Nasrallah's speech to the people of Lebanon on Friday, November the 3rd. His speech is available on Memory TV. We watched it. Um, we watched the feed that came from Al Jazeera TV um, onto YouTube, and translation was in English. And if you don't know who Hassan is, he is the leader of Hezbollah. He, of course, was speaking in Arabic. It's a huge crowd of people there, like thousands and thousands. I don't know where he actually was. They were watching him on a screen. His speech was in Arabic with English subtitles. And in his speech, he praised Hamas for the glorious things they had done to the Zionist entity on October 7th. And I've summarized some of his words, and I'll read them as follows. Hassan offered his condolences and his congratulations to all the families who were grieving. Do you hear both those C words? Condolences. And congratulations. He affirmed that any Muslim who dies, whether soldier or civilian, man or woman or child, goes straight to paradise. Why does Hamas use people as human shields? They are not dead. This is Hassan. They are not dead but alive and joyful that they've been rewarded without fear or grief. 
Not dead, but alive and joyful. This is what many Muslims are being taught globally. Islam teaches that martyrdom is the only guarantee of entry into paradise and avoiding Allah on judgment day. A martyr is any Muslim who dies by a suicide bomb and in that suicide bomb kills others for Allah. They go straight to paradise. You want to understand the motivation of a suicide bomber? It's that reality. I'm going straight to paradise, but it gets better. Any Muslim killed as a civilian in the jihad against Israel also goes instantly to paradise. And every Islamic martyr gets to give Allah the names of 50 of their relatives who will also receive a free pass into paradise. What's not to like about this offer, folks? Instead of having to face Allah on the judgment day and never knowing whether you've done enough, the five, the five pillars of Islam is, is that you've got to do all these things and still you never know if you're going to get in to paradise. It depends on whether the day you face Allah, he's in a good mood or a bad mood. You, might, you just don't know. But blow, blow people up in his name or put children in front of military weapons so that they die in this struggle against a Zionist entity, they go straight to paradise and you can, they get to name 50 members of the family. And we know that Hamas also pays families, um, well, they have in the past for suicide bombings. They pay them a handsome reward, the family, for the, this. So there's no downside in some ways for the families, is my point. So it's my understanding from discussions with Islam and reading texts that no Muslim ever lives or dies confidently knowing that they have done enough for Allah to let them into paradise on judgment day. That's the blood of Islam. Now I want you to contrast that with the better blood of Jesus that speaks a better word. It's a much better word. That he is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That he died to free us from the penalty of our sins. That he has entered heaven as our advocate. That he died as a sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. And that Jesus' blood purifies our hearts so that we can worship God. That's the declaration of the better blood of Jesus. That Jesus' blood has paid and cancelled my debt to God. And all who have trusted in him, it's the same for you. My salvation, my entry into eternal life, into paradise, if you want to use that language, into heaven, where God is, my salvation rests on Jesus, what Jesus has done. And all I have to do is believe in what Jesus has done on the cross. And that's what Paul explained it. It was read to us earlier from Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done. Not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. We're God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So salvation in the better blood of Jesus is a gift from God. Not a reward for any good things we've done. The better blood of Jesus or salvation transforms us to become like Jesus. That's how we know We're saved by the blood of Jesus is because we are becoming like him. Because it does that work internally. And salvation empowers us to do the good things God planned for us to do in this world. That would be ways that he would reveal his love through your life and my life to the people all around about us. You see, salvation through the better blood of Jesus reconciles us to God and it frees us to forgive our enemies even those that may have dispossessed us of our lands and our inheritance and pursue a life of peace with them. That's what the better blood of Jesus does. Going back to Ephesians 2, Paul said this, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope but now you've been united with Christ, Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Palestinians, Jews and Arabs into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the dividing wall of hostility that separates us. This is such a powerful message and I want you to carry it with you. Jesus' better blood reconciles Jews and Arabs, Israelis and Palestinians. Now there was a a group of people from this church that earlier this year went to Israel and we heard testimony from, from two people, Nathan and Rania both connected to the house of prayer and exploits in Nazareth, both are Arabs, both who are in Christ, both who have gone through the process through the grace of God of applying this and releasing forgiveness to the Jews that have wounded them. And they speak with authority and they pray with authority. So Jesus' better blood reconciles Jews and Arabs. Some of you will be aware that there's, there's, there's worship ministries currently going on in Israel of Jews and Arabs, Messianic Jews and Christian Arabs gathering together and worshipping Jesus because they understand he's the better way. He's the way that there's going to be peace in the Middle East. It's beautiful. 
I can, we can show you, send you details if you need them. But if you look at Hope Nazareth, if you look at their Facebook page and other places, Solu, S-O-L-U, Israel, Solu, Israel is another ministry. You can find all these things for yourself. You can see it's going on now. Um, it's, it's wonderful to see. It's powerful. So Jesus' better blood does that in the Middle East, but it does it in other places as well. Ukraine and Russians, it reconciles them. And right here. In Australia, it reconciles white Australians and black Australians. Jesus' better blood reconciles men and women. Jesus' better blood reconciles all humanity. This is why Paul, in his letter to the church and the believers in Rome, was he boldly declared at the very beginning of this letter, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about the better blood of Christ. I've added that bit in, actually. He just said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. It is first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And so as we wrap up this morning, I've got this question to ask for you. It has eternal consequences. Whose blood are you going to trust for your salvation. You're going to trust that you can do enough works on your own effort and merit to convince God that you should receive eternal life. You're going to strap an explosion to yourself and blow people up and hope that does it. Or are you going to trust in the better blood of Jesus for salvation? Whose blood are you trusting in today? There's another aspect of this. We're going to pray a prayer in a minute. But I know that many of you are already trusting in Jesus' blood. And that's not new for you. But you need to go out of here today and boldly proclaim the better blood of Jesus. To people caught up in this world, the media frenzy that's going on, saying that's not the answer. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to bring peace to the Middle East. It's the only thing that reconciles Jew and Arab, Jew and Palestinian, if you like. Whatever language you like to use, you need to be someone who can boldly proclaim and speak to this and say, look, I got hope in my heart. I'm not devastated. I am. I'm I'm, um, distraught by what's happening, by the devastation, by all the people that, that are being injured and wounded on both sides of this conflict and all the conflicts around the world. The Afghani refugees being expelled from Pakistan, the eruption and the murder of, of people in, in southern Sudan as well. You, if you actually look through, many of you I know, you look at the Barnabas Fund website and you receive their magazine, they daily talking about crisis in the globe, conflict, people being killed because they named the name of Christ. We carry in us, we drank his blood earlier, the blood of Jesus, the better blood, it speaks a better word to a world in need and crisis. You and I are called to be proclaimers of this. I'm not saying you've got to go out and start 
using the phrase better blood in all your conversations. You know, don't... People will be like, oh, frig them out. But talk about this reality. We all need a mediator between God and us. And Jesus is that one. We're going to do two things right now. Well, we're going to do one thing and then it's going to be a second thing. Okay? So I'm going to tell you what we're going to do and then we're going to do them. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is stand, not now. But then, we're, then the words to a prayer are going to come up on the screen. I'm going to ask us all to pray this. Some people will be praying it for the first time. Others will be just praying along to support them. And then when we finish the prayer, I'm going to open the front for people who would like to receive prayer for healing today. And we're going to, there'll be people that will come forward to pray for you and anoint you with oil. So now I want to say, if you're a house church leader and you don't come forward to receive prayer for healing, I want you to come forward to pray for healing, healing for people. So if you're a house church leader and you don't come forward to receive prayer for healing, I want you to come forward and pray for people. Also, of course, the executive leadership team, as well as pastoral team and administrative staff. I want you, I'm inviting you to come. If you don't come forward to receive prayer, that you come forward and begin to pray for people when they do come. And the worship team will, will pray, play and something appropriate as we, as we close. So... Let's stand together and we want, I want to pray this prayer first on the screen. Pray it with me. God, thank you for your mercy and kindness to me, despite my hatred, indifference and apathy towards you. Today, I accept your gracious invitation into your new covenant where everything in heaven and on earth is under the authority of Jesus Christ. I trust only in his better blood for the forgiveness I need and the cleansing of my life so that I can worship you. God, I bow my knees and surrender full control of my life to King Jesus. I commit to learn, to know, love and obey him. Connect me to someone in this church who will help me learn your will and ways. God, I have family and friends who need to know about your better blood. Help me open my mouth to share it and open their hearts to trust your better blood. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.